close call with death. Have you had one? I have. I've had a lot of them, but who's counting? In this session, we'll kind of talk about the events of those of us that have come dangerously close to death and had the great luck or destiny to elude death and carry on. Enjoy the show. So today I have Wayne Roberts in studio with me. And we're going to be talking to Wayne, and this this story came to me from a mutual event that we were at, at a place called Tribe House, where I meet a lot of fascinating people, and this time I met Wayne. Um, Wayne, his story resonates well with me because I have been a patroller, ski patroller on the mountains here in Utah, and have seen um, unfortunate things happen to people where the conditions, weather, whatever, um, affect a day and, and whether or not you have a really good ski day or something tragic can happen. And in this case, um, Wayne's story resulted in a uh, horrific crash on the mountain. So, um, Wayne, welcome to the studio and, and thanks for uh, spending time with me today. Thank you, Bob. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation. You bet. My, my pleasure. I'm glad that uh, you're alive here to talk to me about it. Me so, too. Um, you know, you, you walked in to the studio today and it's mind blowing to me because you um, have just been, you know, it wasn't that long ago that this happened to you. Correct. When, when did this all happen? Yeah. February 4th. So, of this year of yeah. 2022. So it's been like eight months. Yeah. And um, so before we jump into the actual incident, t- tell us a little bit about you. Who, who is Wayne Robertson? Tell me about your family, where you live, things like that. Yeah. So uh, we live in Draper. Um, I've, I've got seven kids with my wife, Pam, and uh, seven boys. Uh, we've, we got there quick. We have two sets of twins. And... Um, you know, having boys, uh, they uh, love the outdoors. They love sports, um, <laughs> and so we've spent a lot of time outside and done a lot of adventures with my boys. Uh, we uh, love to ski, love to water ski, love to boat, um, hike, and um, I've worked in healthcare cells uh, my whole career. And uh, right now I work for Steward Healthcare, and um, that's, that's me. So you're in the healthcare profession. That's awesome. And thanks to the healthcare profession, you're alive today to talk to us. So Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I appreciate all those who are involved. There's a lot, a lot they do. Oh, for uh, sure. They, they take whatever comes. Uh, well, you know... Uh, this this story when you were telling me about it it's it's just riveting uh, because it could happen to anybody. Um, you've been skiing for how long? Like uh, most of your life, or yeah, since since I was nine. Okay, okay. yeah, learned yeah. to ski when I was nine. Fantastic. So um, there's all kinds of different conditions here in Utah. You know, from the greatest powder on earth to um, sometimes icy conditions. Um, Take us to that event that, that leads up to your incident. What was the weather like? What was, it, what was strange about it? Was, was there anything that was out of sort that, that seemed to be right off the bat kind of an urgent situation that could be a dangerous day? Um, you know, not, not in my mind. Uh, th- that This was a, a typical ski day uh, for me. Um, our time was short and... Um, it, 
me and my youngest son were able to head up for the afternoon. And so in my mind, it was just uh, a chance to get away, a chance to spend a little time with, with my son. And we knew we had a few hours on the hill. Um, it had not snowed for like three to four weeks. Um, so the conditions were not great. Was, it, was there a lot of snow leading up to that time? It had it snowed quite a bit and then it just did not snow for weeks? Yeah, they they actually did have some uh, some good snow before that, but then we had, you know, uh, just weeks of of nothing, and so, you know, the the hill we ended up going down first was. Uh, a west-facing hill that, that just gets the sun. So it, it thaws and then it freezes and it thaws and it freezes. And uh, it was icy conditions that day. And uh, I've been, I mean, you're a skier. There, there's been a number of times I've gone across a hill that was just sheer ice. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if somebody fell on this, I think they would die, you know? And, and, and every time I've just slowly skied off the hill and gone somewhere else on the mountain. Sure. Um, today or not today, but this time it, it, things just happened quickly. And, you know, and I, I will say, I mean, I've, I've worked the last few years as a ski instructor up at mm -hmm. Solitude. And one of the things I would tell my students is, um, Hey, take your first run, maybe two, and make it an easy run. Learn the conditions. Uh, make sure your equipment's working correct. And, uh, you know, before you jump into a, a steep hill. And, you know, we didn't do that uh, that day. I, I didn't follow my own advice. We, we went um, up, the, up Eagle Lift, and we went straight down our first run, and a, a double resort, black. The resort you were at is Solitude, right? Solitude. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we went straight down a double black diamond hill, which is, is okay. Des describe but a double black for those that don't ski every day and don't understand the terminology. What is a double black diamond on a ski run? Well, it just means, uh, often it just means it's steep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and th th this was just a, a, a steep hill and it's the backside of Honeycomb Canyon and it's, it's nothing crazy. I mean, it, but it, it's, it's just a steep hill and, um, but, but yeah, it's, I haven't thought about that, but of the, the events leading up to that, but it was really just a normal day. I, I didn't anticipate <laughs> anything happening. Sure. <laughs> that sure. Day. Well, and you said, didn't you say that you had some new skis and, and what's, what's the advantage of having brand new skis? They have sharp edges. Okay. And, and they cut into the ice and so they can help you have more control so you can ski in control. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, as, as we skied down into this uh, into honeycomb, I literally made like four to five turns and it, it was, it was so icy that I, you know, I stopped and I yelled back to my son, uh, Dylan, who's 14 and just said, Dylan, this is really icy conditions. It's, it's really hard to stop. And that's all I said. And, you know, looked at him and then I, then I skied on. Awesome. And you just thought, you know, you just got to be really careful. Um, th this is really dangerous conditions, but we'll probably be just fine. You guys have skied for years and, uh, 
you make a few turns, you're going to be okay. You can ski out of it. But when you, when a person goes down on a super icy, slippery, steep vertical, like you were on, there's nothing that you can do to protect yourself other than just go with it. Right. You're just sliding out of control. So take us to what happened when you went down just how you went down for a very good skier. Matter of fact, a ski instructor, can this happen to anybody in it? And, and why do you think it happened to you? And what happened when, when you fell? Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up my ski edges. I, I probably, uh, honestly, if I was on my older skis, I probably would have maybe approached that hill a little different. Mm-hmm. And maybe I had kind of an extra confidence with those, you know, clean edges. But, um, unfortunately I don't remember what happened to cause me to fall. Mm -hmm. Um, my, I I remember heading down that hill and, um, excited to ski and excited to go down there. And, um, my next memory is me sliding down the hill, um, head first. And, um, you know, it was, it was ice and I could feel myself picking up speed. And I just had the thought that, you know, this is not good. I can tell I'm gaining speed, but I was confused because I could not turn around. Um, I I wanted to get my feet out ahead of me and I couldn't turn around. And so I, I don't, I don't know if I had already broken my neck at that point. Uh, but my, my spine surgeon says the, you know, the, the break of my neck, he, he said, he, I probably came down face first and hit just an, some sort of an impact that, you know, maybe broke my neck initially. Do you, do, so do you think that caused you to black out or, or be knocked out for just a moment? And then you came to and, and saw yourself just sliding. Uh, could, yeah, could be. Um, you know, I, I had, I had a concussion and so there's, there's yeah. parts of the day I just don't quite remember. Sure. Uh, but I, I remember clearly sliding down head first and yeah, wishing I could stop. And when you're sliding down a double black diamond on an icy hill, that's super steep, what's your greatest fear? What's next? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you just hope you're not going to hit something. And um, I could see that I was coming into some trees. And um, I, I, I remember so clearly having the thought and asking myself the question, if you're going to hit a tree with your head, what's the best way to hit it? You know, should I uh, just hit it with my head? I have a helmet on. Or should I wrap my arms around my head? And I just thought that's that's a silly question. There's no good way to hit a tree. <laughs> no, tree wins every time. Yeah. yeah. And and so just you know, kind of, uh, I, I just just I just quickly wrapped my heads my my arms around my head mm-hmm. and went embraced for impact. Yeah, went into those trees. And my my next memory from from that is is just sliding slowly on my back at the bottom of the hill. And I, I actually, I just remember coming to a stop and just laying there and on your back. Yeah. On my back. And I'm all alone. My son hasn't come up to me yet. And I, I just know I can tell what's happened to me. Um, my, my son picks up my skis and, and my, my poles and, you know, he, uh, 
he saw me sliding, but he didn't mm-hmm. know if he didn't know I was injured. And he came up to me and I, I just told him, I said, Dylan, I've broken my neck. I've broken my back and, um, I've broken my arm and I, I held my arm up and my arm just really sloopy. Yeah. Just flopped over. Yeah. And I said, uh, but I, I felt like I had to make him comfortable, you know, and I just said, Dylan, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I can, I can move my legs. And that was a comfort to oh, me. Oh, I bet it was. Yeah. I knew I could move my legs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember saying that to Dylan once, um, he told me I said it over and over. I just kept repeating. <laughs> Probably condition of your uh, concussion. Yeah. That I kept repeating that line. He, when I asked him, well, like, did I say it four or five times? He says, dad, you said it 1000 times. Oh, <laughs> probably frustrating for him, yeah. but scared for his dad. Yeah. He, he saw how badly you were injured. Yeah. So then what happened? Um, you know, my, my boy, he just said, dad, I'm going to ski down and get you help. And where we were located, I, I just knew, you know, um, there's probably isn't going to be a lot of people skiing there. And I was also worried, would he, you know, find me, be able to find me again? How long would that take? Yes. And I just said, Dylan, you've just got to stay here with me. And so he, he tried to call for help and couldn't get a call through. Uh, and so he tried my phone and he couldn't get a call through on his Yeah, phone. so in the back, back of the mountain there is not good cell reception, right? It's Yeah. It's just out of cell range. Well, it's, um, you know, some parts are, some parts aren't. And he couldn't get a call out, but he actually was able to get a call in. Mm-hmm. And his brother, Ryan, had called him uh, actually looking for his uh, his AirPods. Dylan had taken his brother's AirPods. And, and so his brother was looking for those. But he told his brother what happened and... Um, but he was a little, I guess, a little vague about it. it um, he told him that I broke my arm. And, um, and Pam was in the other room and could kind of hear this discussion. And, um, and you know, and he hangs up and Pam's like, hey, what, what, what happened there? Is dad okay? Um, and I, I don't really, I, I guess maybe I'm unclear exactly on the events of what happened after that, but, um, they were able to get another call in and communicate with him. And, uh, and my, my son, Ryan, I believe is the one that called 911 and called solitude ski patrol. And eventually they were able to get a hold of Dylan again also, uh, to ping our phone and have our location. That's really kind of fascinating. And if you start counting the miracles, uh, starting from right now, they'll, they'll add up because that, that was like a miracle that, um, your son needed his AirPods and called his brother looking for them. Cause it could have been, he could have had them. No reason to really call his brother out of the blue. And he did. He called him when you needed him to call you. And that just kind of gives me chills right there. Yeah. So looking back on this, I bet you're, and we'll get to that at the very end of the conversation. I I just think retrospectively looking back at this, there's amazing, um, tender mercies that add up in this thing. So, um, nine, nine, one, one is 
notified, they're dispatched and they're going to come to your aid. So patrol is notified right away. They probably launched a patrol to come and get you. Then take us to that part. Yeah, so they it it took them about twenty minutes to get there, and and I remember Dylan even saying, "Hey, I can see ski patrol; they're coming." And what time of day was this, Wayne? This was about one o'clock in the afternoon. You're so fortunate that it was still early in the day; that it wasn't towards the end and starting to get dark. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they it took ski patrol about you know, 10 minutes to come down that hill. They were just very cautious on the icy hill. And they uh, came and assessed me and they didn't want to move me. Um, and you, you, you've been there, <laughs> I, I guess, on that other side, being on ski patrol. Well, yeah, when you get, I've been on ski patrol and when you get a call like this, for some, it's really exciting, adrenaline rush, and you're, you get to go be the cavalry. But then you have to realize what, terrain that you're going to help somebody in and and it and where you were at and the conditions you were in um taking a sled in there on sheer ice that's that's dangerous for patrol yeah it's it's kind of scary so yeah and they 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 uh radioed to to bring life flight in and asked life flight to land right where we were at at the bottom of the hill so it was it was about that run is about 700 feet long, and so I, I fell at the top and just kind of ragdolled, you know, that 700 feet. Oh, my um, gosh. But life, life Flight felt it was unsafe to land there. Too steep. Um, and, or too many trees, too close, too tight. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know the reasons, but yeah. they, yeah, they didn't feel comfortable doing that, and so they, they put me in a toboggan. Uh, and I remember that very clearly. I, they, ski patrol asked me, is your left arm okay? And I said, yeah, I think so. Um, it was dislocated. I, I didn't realize that. And so in lifting me up, you know, onto the board, they lifted me by my arm and I realized then that, yeah, something was wrong. <laughs> they realized immediately after you probably yelled so loud <laughs> yeah. uh, that you were in pain, that they, they that is cringing, you know, trying yeah. to help a, a patient and they're in immense pain. That's, that's harsh. Yeah. And they, they, oh. they, they, they put me in the toboggan and, uh, had a little ride back and it was probably a 15, 20 minute ride, uh, to the, uh, little medic house. Yeah. And, and for, for me, I, I remember getting in the toboggan and riding. And then I remember, you know, pulling up, you know, they, they told me, they yelled, Hey, we're here. It seemed like about a three minute ride to me. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I, if I blacked out or what, but it, it seemed like a very quick ride. So did they put you on a, a backboard because, and brace your neck and everything because you did, they fear did. of a broken neck, broken back, everything. The thing is, that amazes me and good work to the patrollers for getting you off the mountain, uh, and, and the condition that they, that you were in and what they, how they treated you because slightest movement of you in the wrong way would result in complete paralysis or death. And I mean, you, um, were really, really on the edge there and for them to, to bundle you up, get you on a backboard and get you down, uh, is really a miracle number two right there to their good work. 
Yeah. So kudos to them. Yeah. I, I appreciate everybody that helped me, you know, and it's, it's interesting that, you know, I remember so clearly laying there that I was you know, conscious that I was completely helpless. I would still be laying there today <laughs> if, if somebody didn't move me. And, um, you know, I think we all like to have control of our life and yeah. do things ourselves. And, um, you know, I try and do my own home improvements and fix my car and different things. But yeah, I was completely helpless. I mean, I, I was at the mercy of, of, of others. And that was just the first lesson of learning that the next few weeks and months, you know, I was at the, at, at, uh, you know, I just had to rely on others for so much. So, uh, tell us the extent of your injuries. What, what all was broke and hurt? Um, so I fractured C one, two, and three in, in my neck, the cervical spine, um, the thoracic spine, um, I fractured two through eight. Um, I broke eight, eight ribs. Um, my, my right arm, the, uh, broke both bones in my, my lower right arm, the ulna and radius, uh, dislocated my shoulder, um, had bruised ribs or bruised lungs and so no collapse of lung. No, fortunately they were, just, they were bruised. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, broken ribs, uh, I, I mean, I, I had, that was the hardest thing for me. I mean, I, my, my neck hurt, my back hurt, but, um, it was hard to breathe. I mean, I Absolutely. just, yeah, I struggled to breathe. Oh yeah. And so, uh, were you taken there to university Utah hospital and did you just, what happened when they stabilized you? Was there any real touch and go where they thought perhaps, you know, he could not make it or he could um, be paralyzed or whatever. What, what happened once you were admitted in those first few hours and first few days that, that was really touch and go? Yeah. You know, I, I remember saying to my wife later that as I lay there on the bottom of the hill, I was like, I think I was like inches <laughs> from death. That was how I felt. But, but honestly, Bob, I, n I never felt like death was imminent or I was going to die. Um, I, I, you know, I, I could still get air. I felt like I was going to be okay. Um, you know, my, uh, my wife came right up the canyon, uh, with one of my boys. And when, when I came into the medic lodge, uh, they were there and, uh, and, you know, and thank goodness my, my 14 year old son, he, he, he just held everything together. He, he was just fine. He, he never panicked. He didn't, you know, uh, get scared, which I'm, I'm sure he was, but he, he just did everything he, he had stoic. to. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just, uh, is amazing to me what he did there. But, um, from, from my vantage point, I, I knew I was injured, but I, I didn't feel <laughs> death was imminent. Mm -hmm. My family didn't know the extent of my injuries. And, um, I just asked my wife this yesterday, you know, uh, a little more about that. And she just said, you know, putting you on life flight, we don't really know the extent of exactly your internal damage, but we can see that you're struggling to breathe. And she said, I just felt like 
as long as you could keep breathing through life flight, you know, you, you would make it, but she didn't know. And she made a couple of phone calls. Uh, she called my sister, Judith, who's my oldest sister and just said, Hey, Wayne has been in a bad accident and, um, is struggling to breathe. He's been life flighted. And my, my sister hangs up and she's like, I think Wayne is, you know, is going to (laughs) die. And, uh, you know, and, and she, uh, she, she just felt like that's what the call was, was, Hey, if you, if you want to see him alive, you better hurry and get to the hospital. Yeah. Come, come down quickly. She, she also called, uh, our oldest son, Tyler, and just said, uh, gather your, uh, your brothers and, if you can be at the hospital to give dad a blessing and, uh, you know, in, in our church, the, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, you know, that's, uh, something we feel is important to, 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 to get, to get a blessing, you know, from the laying on of hands. And, um, that was one of the first things that happened when I entered the hospital. And specifically that, that blessing was a blessing of healing that, that you would, you'd be comforted and healed. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. My oldest son gave that blessing and, you know, I, I don't remember all the words, but he, he blessed that, that I would be okay if it, if it be the Lord's will. And I, I remember thinking, Oh, you know, come on, <laughs> let's not, do we, you know, let, let, let's, let's use a little strength. I don't, I don't know if I want to leave this up to, uh, maybe the, the Lord has yeah. other plans. I'm not ready to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a lot of work on the other side, but shoot, I'm going to stick around here for a while. But, uh, but that was, that was really very touching to me, uh, for, you know, my boys to be there and to to be the ones to give me a blessing and for my my wife to you know have the foresight to ask them to be there for that you know what it just popped into my mind just the curiosity of um how did that affect them when they gave you that blessing what was in their hearts what did they feel when they came away from that blessing what was were they being comforted that you know you were going to be okay that that's what you needed and you're going to fight back and you'll be okay or they scared or both? Yeah. You know, I, I guess I, I think it was just an unknown there. Yeah. yeah. And in, in fact, Pam is here with me today. My wife, do you have any comments on that, Pam? Oh, yeah. Um, it was just, um, really a scary moments where we, um, we had no idea what the extent, and it was it was kind of chaos um, with chaos in that the the physicians were just working madly yes, around him, trying to stabilize him and trying help to him. stabilize in tubes, and his he couldn't breathe, and he was struggling, and he was in so much pain, and so much going on, and scans and X rays ordered, and his shoulder was so dislocated, and they were two doctors just on top of him trying to, it was just so many people and tubes and wires. And so from our angle, it was 
very, very scary. And the moment of the blessing was just a moment where they allowed a quick moment of peace where they tried to be quiet and have a, a blessing and, and prayers. And it was a very um, tender blessing of not knowing what we're asking or what we're in for or what's ahead. Um, but uh, it was um, a very sweet experience in, amidst chaos. Well, and, and uh, I bet that was just terrifying to you that, you know, here you are, you're his spouse and you've got seven kids and you guys are partners in life. You do everything together. You have a very active family to be void of him, to lose him. What, what, I bet you were scared to death, you know, that of losing your partner. Yeah. Driving down the canyon uh, again, um, that was my prayer is what, what is this? Is this what's what's my life like? What is going on here? And it was just panic. And we all felt like we were watching him. He could not breathe. And they were, we, we knew next, the neck was broken. His back was broken. And the only glimmer of hope was that he could still move his, his feet. So we were, there was some hope there, but we just knew that if he could, could get to the hospital, we would, we would know more, but yeah, it was just, um, such a scary moment of what is ahead sure. here and um, just hoping that we got to the hospital and he was still with us was kind of our our hope and prayer. Well, and now, you know, gosh, post story, and we're sitting here looking at him and uh, eight months later, he's here and alive and doing so well. Um, thank goodness it was in the cards for him to continue on with life. And that's what this podcast is so much about a close call with death. That was a very close call with death. The neat thing that, that, that fascinates us is that where do you go from here? How do you deal with that recovery? How long did it take? And what was next? How has this thing changed your life? So talk, talk about the recovery process. How long was that Wayne? Oh <clears throat> yeah. The, I mean, I'm still recovering. Um, I guess at kind of the 12-month mark is when things have... I mean, I've got a lot of metal and screws in me and uh, bone cement and things that, you know, at the 12-month mark, things are kind of solidified. Um, but the, the the next few weeks and months, were, you know, the, were, was really when the healing time was. And, 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 you know, I'll, I'll just maybe backing up a little bit. Um, you know, the, I, I remember joking with the surgeon after my blessing that, um, I said something, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I said, Hey, um, you're going to finish up here quickly so I can get home to sleep in my own bed tonight. Right. And I thought it was kind of funny of with what was happening and felt like there needed to be a, something Some a little levity, Some, yeah, yeah. lightness to it. Yeah. A little levity heavy. there. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember him just looking at Pam and saying, he doesn't know what's happened. Does he? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I was just joking guys. Yeah. 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 I have a sense of humor here. Come on. Yeah. But it was, nothing was funny at, at, at that, uh, I guess, crisis moment. And, and he did tell me what he was going to do, you know, that, hey, we're going to put, uh, you know, screws and rods and uh, we're going to have to fuse some of your vertebrae together. 
And I just said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let you uh, fuse anything. Um, I, I don't want to lose my mobility. I have good insurance. I don't care how many times I have to come back for surgery. Um, I would like you to do your best and, uh, and not fuse anything. And he just said, Wayne, I, I'm not trying to uh, give you mobility. I'm trying to uh, keep you from being paralyzed. I, I want to stabilize your your spinal cord, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. And for me, that was very sobering to to hear that, yeah. you know, that that way. Um, but but I, I had my my surgeries and uh, was hospitalized for six days. Um, and um, the hospital, you know, keep in mind this was during COVID. At at that point. Um, there was kind of a resurgence of COVID and one third of the residents on my floor, the orthopedic floor there at the U, um, had COVID. Hmm. And so, um, it, it was probably day three that I was able to get up and, and walk and cause my, my legs were actually okay. Um, yeah, so, sorry I sent you some of those pictures you, you saw. There's one of me mostly, I don't, I don't know, I don't have very many clothes on, but you can see I'm bruised. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but my legs were okay. Nothing. But I can see the sutures are like a foot long yeah. in, in, your, in your thoracic area. And then you've got another six inches up around your C-spine. I mean, your whole back was opened up. Yeah. So, but when I would, you know, I remember first time going for a walk around the hospital floor, you know, you would see, you know, signs on people's doors that they had COVID and the nurses would dress up in their pappers and going in and, and my lung function was so limited oh. at that moment. I, and I, I'm still on oxygen and I just thought, my goodness, if I got COVID, oh. w what would I do? It could be the end of you. And so my goal was to get out of the hospital as quick as I could yes. and just get to what I felt was a safer environment. Um, and thank goodness my wife was able to, to help me. You know, I, I had someone that could be a caretaker, but uh, from that moment, I just worked hard to what, what, what does it take to get out of the hospital? Mm -hmm. And they had some criteria. And so I, I worked hard to achieve that and was able to go home. And, um, the next month was, you know, uh, just very slow. Did you guys have to get a hospital bed at, at your house? Um, we, we, we got, I, I, I had a friend that gave me a kind of a hospital chair that could stand you up. Oh, that's neat. Um, we did, we bought a hospital bed. Uh, we were going to rent one, but we, we found one that we could, we could buy that kind of had oscillating pressure. Um, we, we bought a, a purple bed, uh, and purple mattress. Yeah. So we, I actually had three beds in our bedroom. You would laugh to see that, but I, it just, nothing was comfortable. Oh, I bet. Especially because you're darn ribs. Yeah. And well, and so I would, I would lay for a couple hours and then I would, it just felt good to switch to a different bed. Yeah. And then I would, I would go to, uh, you know, my lazy boy chair. And then I'd even switch to another, you know, uh, chair. Oh, but you should have had a, a, a camera recording the entire thing in slow-mo. So these speed it up and show you going around between the beds in yeah. fast mode. That'd be funny. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> next time. Next yeah, time. Yeah. Don't do this again. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, so you went through all that and, and about a month. Um, and then you just started working back. I want to know from the emotional side of this thing. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of a rarity, don't you think, that someone was hurt as bad as you and didn't wind up dead or paralyzed, that you were able to work your way back. Isn't that just like a really rare recovery that you had? Well, you know, I think just the fact that, um, you know, I, I didn't know this before, but when when you break your, your C1 your, your, uh, of your cervical spine, um, the first vertebrate there, uh, you know, that's closest to your skull. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty scary break. They call it a hangman's fracture and, um, it controls your respiratory system. So you, you can immediately, immediately stop breathing or have instant death. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of the rarity or, and I, I don't know if it's rare, but it's, it's just a, a very scary place to have a break. Um, you know, the other things, I mean, medicine's very good. I, I think they expected a, a decent outcome for me, um, with, with what happened. And I, I wasn't like ultra fit before the wreck, but I was, uh, I was very active, you know, I was fit. Mm -hmm. And, um, in fact, we, you know, my, my, my son asked a doctor, Hey, how can I prepare myself? You know, so when I have an accident, you know, what, 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 what type of strength training can I do to keep myself strong? And, and he just said, if you can do, um, if, if somebody can do 10 pull-ups, they have this strength in their back that kind of holds everything together. And, um, I could do 10 pull-ups. <laughs> I've always been able to, to do, you know, 10 to 15 pull-ups and it's sometimes more in my life, but that's, that's where I was at. And so I think just, um, to say it's a rarity, I don't know if it's a rarity, but I was, um, healthy enough that, I think you had a that, good recovery. Yeah, I think that helped helped me. So let's go down some of the emotional trail here. Um, who was your biggest support team that really helped you emotionally get through all this? Oh, you know, Bob, that's honestly one of the things I, I feel a little bit of a responsibility maybe to share my story because um, it's just so touching to me how many people went out of their way for me and for my family. Um, I, I would have to say, number one, my wife, not just because she's sitting here next to me, but um, she she's busy. She um, is the team mom, uh, the, the basketball team, and, um, and she's got seven kids, and she has more friends than she can count to keep up with, and she has a lot going on, but she just dropped everything and did what she had to for me. Um, same with my, my kids and my brothers and my parents, and, um, and, and, and maybe you expect that from family, um, but what I didn't expect was, um, my, um, my, my, my neighbors, my, you know, my friends, uh, 
uh, my church, you know, they, they, they were the same. They, they, they were like an extended family. Yeah, they would do anything for us. Mm-hmm. And we, we had mills, you know, coming. We had, uh, you know, friends that got together and bought gift cards for my kids, you know, that they could go buy fast food uh, so they didn't have to rely upon their parents. Um, they, we just had so many things that I was just constantly amazed of people coming over and, and often people just coming over to, to say, Hey, how are you doing? You know, they didn't need to bring anything. They just came to see how you were doing. Even as I started, you know, an important part of my healing was, uh, just to keep moving and the best thing I could do was to walk. And people would hear about that and had neighbors that would come over and say, hey, can I go for a walk with you? And, you know, neighbors that are, uh, they're, they're busy. <laughs> and they would say, hey, I, I can walk with you every day. You know, let me know what time and I'll schedule this in. And uh, that was just very eye-opening to me. And, um, I will, I think forevermore appreciate my friends, um, a lot more than I do now appreciate my neighbors. And I, I treat other, other people's tragedies a little different now because of, uh, I just appreciated and loved their support. It was, it was amazing. Fantastic. Well, you, um, eluded death. And you have a second chance. I mean, you, it's halftime or whatever, probably you're young enough to, uh, you know, first quarter. So <laughs> there's a lot of game left. What are you going to do with it? How do you, how do you want to really live out the rest of your life? And ha- how has this experience changed it? Yeah. So, um, you know, Bob, I've, I've seen people go through cancer and close calls with death that they, and, and listen to your podcasts. You do a great job with these, by the way. Thanks. And, and, but I hear so many people say my life has changed forever. I enjoy every sunset, every night. And um, I wish I could say I had that dramatic moment that I, I don't yell at my kids anymore. I don't get frustrated. I don't, you know, but I, um, life goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, even when I was unable to work and was, uh, you know, I, I still had bills coming in. They, they never quit coming. We, I still had the same responsibilities. And so life, life just keeps moving and you have to keep up. Um, but it, it definitely gave me a different perspective, uh, to enjoy things. And I, I felt like, and I, I still feel that way that, you know, a lot of people say you were lucky. <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I was just lucky. I think I was, uh, preserved and, you know, I, I like to think of it that way yeah. that there was a lot of miracles that happened in this. And I think there's a purpose, you know, I think we all have a purpose here in life and, and it's, it's made me kind of dig a little deeper to, to find out a true result of your purpose. Yeah. And, and, and am I, am I doing something every day to, to, to fulfill that purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but also as I talked about my relationships with not just my family, but with other friends, uh, it, it just means more to me now. And, 
um, I think I have a greater respect and appreciation for people. And, um, and it's, it's also, you know, I, I have to say I discovered um, an important, another important thing. And, you know, not to get too religious on you here, but the, the power of prayer. Um, it just was really remarkable to me that the way these events happened and those few phone calls that my wife made at Solitude, um, one of the people she also called was, I guess she called my sister, my oldest boy, and she called our bishop. Mm -hmm. And our bishop, um, you know, called a few people in the ward uh, and, you know, to in, in the neighborhood to let know what happened. But immediately, before I even reached the University of Utah Hospital, there were people praying for me. And um, so many of these people shared their experience of what they did when they heard I was in a, a terrible accident. And they told me how they went to a quiet place and they knelt down and they said a prayer for me. And, um, you know, I think we all say that when we, we hear someone's in trouble or something, uh, Hey, thoughts and prayers with, yeah, you. my thoughts and prayers are with you. Yeah. And, and that just really struck home. And I'll tell you forevermore when I have a loved one that, um, that needs help. I'm not just going to say a prayer for him, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kneel down and pray like so many did for me. And, um, and, and there's even people that my, my, my wife has a good friend that I've never met, um, that she, she fasted and prayed for me. Um, did she fast every week? Every week. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so I, I've never met this woman, but she fasted and prayed for me. Um, and, uh, and did this for months. Uh, a, a little boy, uh, a neighbor boy, uh, David Lentford, his, his mother tells me that he prays for me every night. Hmm. And she tells me this about four months after my accident. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this little boy. And, you know, the next time I see him, I remember getting down on my knees, just getting face to face with him and saying, hey, David, thank you. Uh, so cool. Yeah, thank you for praying for me. And and he just looked at me with a big smile and said, "Oh, you're you're welcome." <laughs> yeah, he probably thought, you know, that's what it takes, and that's what it, he expected that to happen. Uh, yeah. So th that you would recover. Well, I have a question for you. Um, so, in closing, how has this affected um, you and your family, you and your kids? Yeah, <clears throat> um, it's definitely brought. Um, our family very close. It's been a very interesting year. And uh, to see these seven boys all take a role in their dad's experience in healing and the love that we felt, it has um, been um, incredible to watch. Uh, we have seen um, miracles in our lives, and I think the miracles... And the answer to prayers are that 
Heavenly Father answers every prayer, and that is that our Savior is with us through all these trials and that we have the strength to um, continue on with whatever the outcome is. And so we it just, it has been um, a great experience for our family, even though we were in the trenches and wondering what was next. So um, I'm, I'm not going to say that we're grateful for this experience because it was so devastatingly hard, but we're grateful for the love that we feel for one another and um, how it's brought us close together. Fantastic. For a, a joint purpose. You definitely don't take life for granted, do you? We do not take life for granted at all. And um, when you talk about doing something, do you do it now? Yeah. Uh, even yeah, even though absolutely. it sounds like you did before, you're a very active family. But when you really kind of talk amongst each other and you talk about maybe something you want to do or someplace you want to go, now you do it. Absolutely. Very different perspective on life and um, and a lot of gratitude. And um, it's, been, it's been a... A good, very good year in that way for those life-changing experiences that you never, um, yeah, those those never leave you. So, mm-hmm. thank yeah. you, thank you so much. Well, in in wrapping up, um, any final thoughts? Anything? And you know, as you've just thought about this whole thing about this evening, about your loved one sitting right next to you, and final thoughts, what, what do you have to leave us with? Yeah, you know, um, I, what one thing I think I would like to share is, um, I, you know, I, I tried to protect my head <laughs> when when I fell, and you know, wrapping my arms around, and and in doing so, my arms were mangled, and um, a interesting thing happened in the hospital. My first visitor was uh, a neighbor named uh, Tammy Draper. And Tammy just lost her husband a few months earlier in a ski accident. And when I saw her come in my door, uh, she was a nurse, so she didn't have to follow the visiting rules. That's why she was my first visitor. But when I saw her come in the door, I thought, what, what, what did it take for her to get the courage to come in? and see me. She just lost her husband. Yeah. And, um, who, who was a neighbor of mine. And when I told her my story, what happened, um, she said, that's so interesting, Wayne, you probably don't know this, but my husband, Lee, he had a famous saying that he said, protect your head. And, um, and she said, I don't know if he was there with you, but I think he probably uh, whispered to you, protect your head. And that's a comforting thought to me, you know, that, uh, that maybe I had angels there with me or, or a whispering to do that. But, but I've thought a lot about that to protect the head. And, and Lee would say, protect the head because everything else can heal. And, um, and, and, you know, you, there's so many, things that make me think about that. It's like my, my faith, you know, Christ is the, the, the head of the, the church and, you know, you need to protect your testimony. Um, and you know, me as in my family as the father in my family, you know, I, I, I need to, uh, protect my family and, and do what I can to, 
to, to, to make a difference for my family. And, and, uh, but it's, um, I, I don't know that I'm grateful for the experience, but I think, you know, we don't, uh, things happen in our life and we have to make the most of them. And, um, I've learned so much from this and I, I really truly appreciate my relationships with people and not just my family. And I, I hope that gets deeper and deeper. I hope it doesn't go away. Um, but I think that's a message that we all need to recognize those around us. And, you know, so many of those people that helped me, I mean, I, I used to, I, I, I know that they, a lot of it was they love my family. And I, I used to joke that, you know, people would come and say, hey, we want to bring you a meal. And they would ask Pam, hey, what's your favorite food, you know, Pam? And, and how, how are you doing, Pam? Are you, are you getting enough rest? And sometimes I'd raise my hand and say, hey, I'm, I'm right here, here too. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Do I get to choose anything? And they're like, no, it's just Pam. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, people love my family and my kids and, and I... And I love them for, for, for that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, you're a lovable guy and, and, uh, you truly are a stand up guy, literally. And, uh, I'm so grateful that, um, you've survived this and, and that you've been able to share this uh, story with me today. Um, because people need to hear this and, and they know that people can be broken and people can heal. And, and you have, and you're going forward in a real positive way and, uh, and it's helping your family and it's helping those around you. You're grateful for the people that had an active role in your family. And, um, it's, it's a stand-up story. So I really appreciate you being here. Um, Thank you for taking time of reflection to let us share in your experiences. Becoming part of your journey ultimately impacts ours. So again, thank you both for being here and God bless you. I hope you just continue to have a, an amazing life. Uh, make sure if you go out on an icy slope from now on, please do not go any further. Just like sit down, do something. Don't, don't skate. Okay. Hey, it's, it's powder days from here on out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good. Thanks, Wayne. Take care of you guys. Thank you.